welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, we are dis- we were just speaking about this. We're a little discombobulated because we're recording a night earlier this week. We're in the wrong part of the shop. I'm facing the wrong direction. You're on the opposite side of the table, and I just upgraded my operating systems on both my iPhone and my iPad. <laughs> so you don't know where everything is or what it's doing. Well, okay, this is gathering too much information on my life. I don't even like memory foam mattresses. They don't need to remember all the things I do on my mattress. So I really don't think that my phone should start guessing what I'm doing in life. Oh, it's uncanny. It learned when I moved. It changed my home address without me having to tell it. Uh, th- there's some there's some crazy stuff that it knows about me that I don't even know. That's that's not good. But let's light a cigar and worry about conspiracies. I was later. about to say what it doesn't know is that I'm about to light up a Pappy Van Winkle from Drew Estates. And those I had one this weekend at the Barn Smoker and we'll get into that quite a bit more. And I hope that my second one's better than my first. I'm interested to see your take on that. Well, so this is the one I got at the Barn Smoker. And so I was sitting on, it's one I've never had, and I walked around the humidor a little bit this afternoon and couldn't find anything that I hadn't had on the show before. And so I had this with me and I thought, all right, I'll give this a crack. It, I, You know, it's everything I can tell, it's meant to be paired with the Pappy Van Winkle, but unlike other th- cigars that are branded with um, it doesn't look like it's actually got that that whiskey flavor, that 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 infused flavor to it. So I think it might give me a little bit of the a little bit more of what I'm hoping for and less of what I'm expecting. I hope so. I'm interested to see what your take on it is. And the reason Trey couldn't find nothing in the humidor is because I'm smoking the new thing to the humidor. I'll be smoking the Brick House Double Connecticut. Been talking about this cigar a couple of weeks coming onto the show, um, about looking forward to it and what's the flavor profile going to be like. So this could be really good for me or really bad. Of course, right in the middle of the show, we may have to just switch cigars. <laughs> <laughs> the look you're giving me, you're giving that cigar, and I'm highly dubious over a double Connecticut, but we're going to give this a shot and find out what it's like. Well, neither one of these are right in our wheelhouse. I'm not the Drew Estate fan that you are. Now, that being said, I thoroughly enjoyed myself this weekend at the Barn Smoker. But, you know, so this cigar is going to be a little bit lighter than my flavor, than my palate typically is, which that Double Connecticut is going to be for you as well. The cold draw didn't really do much for me. Kind of tasted... A little bit like a drugstore cigar. Mine tasted flat, but I attributed that to, I smoked it when we were at the Barn Smoker, and we were, you know, the barns at the Barn Smoker hold 20 acres of tobacco. They're six-story barns. They're gigantic, and they're full of tobacco, and it's fire-cured tobacco, so it's so overwhelming on the senses. I don't know that I had the ability to catch any nuance. If it gives you any indication of how pungent that tobacco is hanging in those barns, it is that I was smoking a KFC and found it to be very mild in flavor. I was so I was being bombarded so much by 
the the aroma that was in the air and the uh, of those barns, and it actually smells like the KFC. I mean, you you know for a fact that that's where that cigar gets its flavor and aroma because that's exactly what the barns smell like. Well, and it's it's just a great event. This is my fourth barn smoker, and I'm we're going to get into the the nuts and bolts of it. I want to hear what you, as a uninterested third party, thought about it <laughs> because I'm I'm a Drew Estate guy. Right. I'll always be a Drew Estate guy. I really enjoy their product. So much of what they do, I like. Even though I'm not a subculture person, I love their philosophies. I love their philosophical vent. Well, I thought it was so funny because, you know, being such a subculture brand, you know, that's what they thrive on. That's what they do really well. I found the event to be sort of lacking in that. I guess there's only so much you can do in a... Um, in an environment like that, if that makes sense, like you're at a tobacco farm, you can't have like cage dancers and you know hippo rides and and things like that. I don't know. I don't know why those were the two examples that I went for. Um, as long as it's not hippo dances and cage rides. So, uh, but I found it to be very a very relaxing event, and really couldn't have couldn't have asked for better weather either. Well. And the cool thing about it is everybody there is so... We all share one thing in common. We enjoy cigars. And nobody is ever trying to explain to you how you should enjoy a cigar any different than the way you want to enjoy it. It was such a... That's what I always love about it. It's kind of a community thing. And I'm the least team player there ever was. I'm, I've never played team sports because I don't like being part of a team. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at playing well with others. But at these events, it's nice because you just start talking to people. You got to meet the mayor of the Alabama Madison shop, Alaska right. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's hilarious. He had a diesel Volkswagen Rabbit that he drove around for years. <laughs> and I, can't, I imagine he drove it 10 years, filled up the tank once. Probably so. <laughs> now, one of the things I thought was funny is that, yeah, there, there was a lot of that going on, but... I don't really feel like I got, I spent a whole lot of time with other people as much. That's something that I should have done a better job of is getting out and kind of experiencing people from other parts of the country and, and their trip and their experience with the Barton Spoker. Um, I, was, I was too busy trying to learn everything I could. Well, and the good thing about it, you can get as much or as little of that as you want. You won't be shooed away from any groups and you won't have anybody trying to drag you into groups. Mm-hmm. So you can take to the exact comfort level you want with being around people. Um, I will say, when I seen that it was a brick house double Connecticut, I had reservations. But the construction is excellent. Well, that's... The draw is soft. The draw is smooth. The flavor is there. It's Connecticut flavored. I'm... I'm enjoying it, and I've just lit it up and got it started. I'm interested when it gets heated up to see what really goes on. I've always found that brick houses get to their sweet spot about halfway through. They really start to... I mean, they're never going to really hit you with a lot of flavor. Even the Mighty Mighty Maduro doesn't just kick you in the teeth with flavor. But I find that once you get about halfway into it, that's when it really starts to come alive. And I'd be interested to see if that one follows that same path. So back at the barn smoker, I was the thing I learned was the difference between stalk cut and prime tobacco. And see, you and I both had the same 
um, false notion going into it, which is that I thought every tobacco leaf, every tobacco plant was primed, meaning that the leaf was was trimmed from the stalk. But apparently in Kentucky, they do it differently. Well, he made the gentleman that owned the that owns the farm, Robert. Yeah. made a great point. He said it's the difference in a fillet and a bone-in ribeye. Mm-hmm. He said in Nicaragua, you get fillets. Here, I give you a bone-in ribeye. And that's really what it is, is they're stalk-cutting the whole plant. They are air-curing the tobacco, but they are also smoking a lot of the tobacco in the barn. We've talked about it before, but just to recap, basically they cover the floor in sawmill slats, and then they put sawdust on top of that, and build those low coal fires in there and fill that whole barn with smoke and smoke that tobacco for 10 days. It was really neat. So on Robert's farm, he's got five of these smoking barns. And so that's 100 acres of tobacco that he cures in this way at a time. And I found it really, you know, of course we got to tour and we got to see, you know, kind of the different barns in different stages of where they were in, in curing the tobacco and we even got to have lunch in front of inside one of the full barns which I thought was really neat uh, but as soon as the tours were done it was nice to see that they went behind us and locked up all those barns that we were walking through and started the fires and you could see the smoke rolling out of them I mean they were still working while we were there oh yeah it's just a they treat that tobacco with so much care and so much love you know last week I made the point when we were talking to Jay about cigars that this is a handcrafted, almost an act of love that some craftsman has put together for you to enjoy. Yeah. And it's never more apparent than when you're at these farms because they were handling the tobacco very gently, very reverently. I was really, I'm always taken aback. And even when I went to the Florida barn smoker, same thing. They're handling the tobacco very carefully. They're watching where they walk when they walk through the rows. In Florida, we actually got to go out into the fields and walk through the fields. Mm-hmm. In Kentucky, they don't necessarily do that because they've already cut it by the time the barn smoker comes around. Right. And one of the things that I really, you know, I did get a little concerned when I saw Robert and a few of the people that work on the farm walking around with, you know, respirator masks. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. I There was... Hearing, you know, Jonathan Drew gets up there and he does his spiel about in one of the barns about why he likes the process and why it's so important to him. And, and of course, you can feel the passion that he's delivering. But then you, you hear Robert talk. And, yeah, he has passion for what he does, clearly. But he has a love for what he does. And I think there's something about the way he talks about what he does for a living that you can tell that he... He doesn't dread getting up in the morning, or at least if he does, he doesn't make it look like he does. Well, he loves the tobacco, but he also loves the ground. Mm. He loves the feel of the ground. He, he's, you know, he probably was raised on that farm or somewhere there very close. No doubt first job was probably something to do with hanging tobacco in the top of barns and things like that. Right. So just so much of that. And then when he took on this new adventure with Jonathan Drew, of how are we going to create this Kentucky Fire Cured Cigar, something that previously was just in tobacco, or pipe tobacco. For the longest time, I believed a Kentucky Fire Cured Cigar was just a cigar they decided to roll with pipe tobacco instead of regular tobacco. Not realizing that it was the whole... That it it was on purpose. Yeah. 
that it was okay we have set out to create a fire cured cigar so super interesting barn smoker if you get the chance you know i'm going to the one in louisiana november can't wait to go see it it's going to be a totally different experience because i'm sure i'll be dealing with different kinds of tobacco down there um, in Florida, we actually got... Have you ever held tobacco seeds in your hand? Oh, they're like sawdust. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They're very I, fine. It never occurred to me how small tobacco seeds were till I was down there and actually held them in my hand and felt of just, yeah, how, how tiny they are. Yeah. So, super interesting trip. A lot of fun. Um, had a lot of fun up there. Almost died on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> and then got honked at in the process. Yes, the lady... That would have been two Tom Petty's killed this weekend. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> so, so a lady on the interstate was doing about 20, and we didn't realize that till we were on her bumper, and I had to pass her on the shoulder, and she had the nerve to honk at me. <laughs> but all of us survived that and enjoyed our trip up there. About an hour, hour and a half trip from yeah, here. Yeah, it was a lot closer than I was expecting. For some reason, I always think Hopkinsville is kind of into Kentucky quite a bit, and I forget that it's just on the, or just right outside Clarksville. It might as well be a suburb of Clarksville. Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, if you do ever decide to come to the barn smoker down here, fly into Nashville, spend the night in Nashville, and you could Uber it out to Hopkinsville probably pretty reasonably. Yeah, Uber, Uber wouldn't be the cheapest way to get there, but, I mean, compared to rental car, probably wouldn't be too bad. If you fly in for the barn smoker, post on the cigar cast page. We'll find somebody to give you a lift. We'll get you from Nashville to the barn smoker. I think you may be <laughs> writing checks that my car can't cash. <laughs> Maybe renting a bus. <laughs> hey. That's the way to roll up to an event. See, get a big old party bus. Oh, bus yeah. roll up 15 deep, smoke billowing out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not allowed to use Avis anymore. <laughs> but So let's talk about some other cigar news this week. So, one of my favorite things, everybody's heard me talk about it, the Tatawahe Unlucky 13. The Monster Series this year, the Monster Series is going to be the Michael Myers from Halloween. It's going to be a six and a half by 52. It's going to be an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper and a Nicaraguan binder and filler. Sounds right up my alley. It does. Um, I mean, the last year, the Kruger had the San Andreas wrapper, which was definitely right up my alley. But so Tatawahe's dress boxes. Have you ever seen the dress boxes that I don't they do believe for this I have. cigar? They're very detailed, very ornate boxes. They're only released to 13 retailers in the country. So only 13 retailers get them, and on the secondary market, they go for two or three times. You can find them on eBay, things like that. Sometimes when you've got a couple of hours to kill, type in Tatawahe Monster dress boxes on um ebay and just see some of these boxes it's unbelievable but they Hmm. did announce if you go to half wheel they have announced the 13 retailers this year that will be getting the dress boxes oh wow um you know and it's uh nowhere around here i mean the closest one's cordova cigars in pensacola florida they'll be getting a couple of the dress boxes uh lone star tobacco in houston Mm -hmm. that makes sense and uh, fort wayne indiana rudy's so really no rhyme or reason, I guess, to... I guess these are big Tatawahe shops. I'm going to have to find out what's going on in Fort Wayne. <laughs> but they have... Um, so this year, they also have the cigar. You don't get it in the dress box. They have just the regular box. And it's a 10-count box. And those cigars, usually 14 15 bucks a stick. They're not very cheap cigars, but they're a great cigar. Yeah. And it, it's a great gimmick. It's one of those that's always... 
always kind of scared me off is that fourteen fifteen dollar price point. But I guess you know the way prices are going now, that's getting to not be that. I mean, it, it's it's less than a special occasion cigar, but more than an everyday smoke. Yeah, it's um it's pushing the limits of what an everyday smoke would be. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I'm not going to grab one for poker night. You know, I'm going to grab one for maybe Friday night. Yeah, might be. And the Krugers, when I got them, they needed aging. They've been aging, like I talked about last week, for about a year in my humidor. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably break them out and smoke one of them this year. And whatever I buy of the the Tatawahe Michaels, I'll probably put away. Okay. So probably bringing it in there. So also, I want to talk about... One of the things they had at the Barn Smoker was the Cigars for Warriors. Yes. And we've never taken the time to talk about Storm and Cigars for Warriors on this podcast. And I do want to take a minute just to stop and tell what that's all about. Well, and they raised just a... One of the one of the things that's really fun about that event is not only the education and the amazing food and all the cigars, but it's also a fundraiser for Cigars for Warriors. And they was it thirteen thousand dollars, something like that, something right along that range. It, it was seven from the from I th- yeah, I think it was about it was seven thousand from all the donations that took place there. Plus, Drew Estate put in five thousand of their own money, so I guess that makes twelve twelve thousand something. They raised a lot of money, and they're about to, in 30 days, they'll hit their million cigar mark. And what Cigars for Warriors does is if you're overseas and you're a warrior, you're fighting for the United States, you're in the armed forces, they want to be sure you have the option of putting a cigar in your hand. Mm -hmm. And they want to be sure there's sticks there for that to happen. We donate from the poker game here every week. We took 230 cigars to, to drop off to the barn smoker this weekend. And it's just a great thing. Um, it's interesting because when I was at the Florida Barn Smoker, we actually sat with a lady who had served. And she said the chaplain called her and said, hey, I've got all these cigars that I've been told to give out. And I don't know anything about cigars. And so she became the Cigars for Warriors distribution center <laughs> there at her base. And That's I, I want to cool. say she was in Afghanistan or something like that. And she said, you have no idea. It's not just the cigar." The cigar is great, but it's also knowing that there's somebody back home thinking about you that stopped and got a cigar and sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And it's a great charity. Um, they, you know, they always take cigar donations, but they also take cash donations because they got to pay to get them shipped out. Mm-hmm. The FDA is currently trying to goof it up where cigar companies cannot donate to them, which is such a shame and 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 an incredible misstep because I. I even though I don't agree with it, and honestly, I really don't understand it, but I can understand the whole reps giving away free cigars thing. From their perspective, if they give one away, that's one less they sell, a little bit less taxes that go into their coffers. I get that. But donating to our, our soldiers, airmen, and sailors, that I, I don't understand what, what benefit that has other than making you look like an enormous Scrooge. Well, I'm going to double back on that here in just a minute on the FDA and the cigar rep thing because I definitely disagree with you. But I do want to wrap it up about cigar storming them. This is a quality organization. Nobody there draws salaries. Everybody there is a volunteer. 
when you give a cigar or you give a dollar, it 100% makes it to the troops. And it was really interesting to hear them tell the story about how it got started and how Drew Estate got involved. Uh, I, I'm not going to, it's not my story, so I won't tell it here. Um, but it, it came out of a, 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 of a desire it will kind of organically, you know, the the company itself was making all of these donations a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, just because it was a passion of the people who worked for him. And Jonathan saw it and went, holy crap, like, this is something real. This is something that clearly the employees of this organization feel something about. Let's let's do something as a company and let's really rally, rally behind a great cause. And... and it's kind of cool to see it organically grow just from a grassroots employee effort to getting the whole, you know, getting the president of the company involved. Well, and it's, you know, um, the former manager here at this cigar lounge, he was giving away cigars and he just had a fellow that had been in the military and he was having them sent to his unit, which is a lot of steps and a lot more expense. The same amount of effort given to Cigars for Warriors would have probably yielded more widespread results. Right. Now, Patrick was wonderful for doing it and all, but he did start after I told him about Cigars for Warriors, just bringing them to me, and I included them as part of our donation. Right. You know, I have a humidor at my house that's just for Cigars for Warriors, and I clean it out every time I go to a barn smoker or go to somewhere where they drop it off. And it's, it's a worthwhile charity. If you don't have a local chapter try to figure out how to get one there if you see a box sitting beside the cash register that says cigars for warriors just pick up an extra stick and drop it in there it, it means a lot to the people who get it it does it's it's a world of difference now i want to talk to you about the reps handing out cigar thing okay did i touch a nerve just then you did but i don't want to do it and then have to go to break i want to be sure you have plenty <laughs> of time to rebut so let's break just a touch early tonight all right and then we'll come back and i will promptly jump all over your case sounds good we'll be right back after this Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is Shane Reeves, one of your hosts, sitting across from Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. So, for the before we got to the break and all, we were talking about reps giving away cigars. I believe it's crazy for the FDA to limit reps' ability to give away cigars. Even if it costs them a few bucks in taxes, how many times would you have not smoked a cigar had a rep not given you one? Oh, now, so let's, let me step back a little bit here. I was not suggest, suggesting in any way that I think it's a good move, makes sense from a practicality standpoint. I was merely stating that I understand from their perspective why they think it's a good idea, because if we're not trying free versions, that means we're paying for them, which means we're paying more taxes, which means... But from a consumer standpoint, from a manufacturer standpoint, from everybody except for the FDA, it's the dumbest thing, the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Well, and it's probably the mistake that I often make. I think that the government should be run like a business, and politicians have no idea how to run a business. So that's probably a big portion of that. 
I think you're probably right. But let's catch a quick update on our cigars. I'm smoking this double Connecticut. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Um, it's not knocking my socks off. It's not overpowering me. It's not. Um, it's not going to be the cigar of the year for me. Mm-hmm. But it's a good cigar. It's well made. The construction's good. The flavor is not distasteful. It's just mild. I mean, that's it's and it's supposed to be mild. It's a great cigar for a beginner, but it's almost too light. I kind of like to start a beginner out just a little strong, so they got somewhere to go. Right. So that there's something drawing them in. Otherwise, if it's so light you can't really taste anything, what's the point? Right. So, what's your pappy like for you? Now we have a rule on this show that we always speak in a positive light of, of things. And so in that interest, um, it is staying lit. It is, the draw is pretty good. I'll give it that. Um, and those are the nice things I have to say about it. No, I, I'm, so, I'm being way too harsh. I just, I, I, I'm not getting any sort of flavor from it. And, and Perhaps if I was pairing it with whiskey or something like that, I could see how maybe those flavors would play well together, which is what it was designed for. But just on its own, it's super mild. The color of the wrapper would not lead you to believe that, but there's really, there's no strength at all. The flavor is... um, Very... It's funny, the flavor is Dominican, even though I know it's not a Dominican cigar. It's just very sort of earthy. It tastes like dirt, but not in a bad way. I don't mean that, but, you know, sometimes you get that cigar and it and all you taste is the ground it was uh, grown in. Kristoff does that very, very well. Right. Um, this, I'm just not, it's not doing anything for me. Well, when I smoked the one at the Barn Smoker this weekend, I was completely underwhelmed by it. Um, have you ever noticed nobody's ever whelmed? You're either overwhelmed or underwhelmed? I've been whelmed. Have you been whelmed? I don't think I've ever described it, but I've definitely been whelmed. Okay. Sometimes when I ask you how you're doing, I want you to say completely whelmed. <laughs> then I will feel like I have completed my day. All right. But I was really underwhelmed by that particular cigar, and I had looked forward to that cigar. I was so excited going to the bar and smoker because I knew I was going to get one of those in my goodie bag. I was, too. This is this and the Liga A were the two that I was looking the most forward to in that box. And if I had paid, you know, $18 retail for that cigar, I would have really, really been disappointed. I'd have been looking up Jonathan Drew's phone number. Yeah. Send him a bill. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and the, and I hope if somebody out there has smoked one and they just love it, on Instagram or Facebook at the Cigar Cast, please let us know. I just would love to know that. I, I would too because I'm you know one of the things that we try to do on the show is always smoke something different, and I'm not beyond getting out of my comfort zone. I will I will try something that I'm not expecting to like. You know, I mentioned a couple of months ago how I got on an Oliva kick there for a while. And it's not something I expected to like, but it really changed my mind about that line of cigars. I'm willing to step out and challenge myself. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's the way it goes. And also, the President's Cup was this weekend. Yes. And did you notice the victors when the United States won the President's Cup that he strode up to greet, to... um, congratulate them with a cigar hanging out of his mouth? I did not. I didn't see any coverage. 
Well, I was here at the shop and we weren't watching NFL football. Whatever your political views are, they, that's perfectly okay. Um, but, I, you know, I do want to talk for just a second. I don't want to get into the controversial part of that because I see the cigar cast as a celebration of life. Okay. As a celebration of joy and the fun things in life. And cigars are part of that. But also we talk about our grooming and we talk about man stuff later on. I got to talk to you about your camping trip. I need a favor. Um, you know, we s- to the listeners of the show, this is my favorite part of the podcast is watching Shane's eyes light up as he gets on a topic and I have no idea where he's going. I like he's steering the ship right now. I don't know where this is going. I'm just holding on for the ride. How, how many times have I said, how good would we be if we rehearsed? <laughs> so I didn't watch NFL this weekend, but I will say I am not qualified to tell anyone boycott NFL. I'm not qualified for that. One, I am an older white dude. Mm-hmm. And two, giving up NFL for me would be the equivalent of giving up my Thursday night sewing circle. <laughs> I'm just not a big football guy. Right. Um, I love college football to the degree that if it's on, I'll watch it. But I'm not going to structure my day around a college football game or an NFL game. So, with all, I didn't. I don't agree that they. I agree. I think they should be standing for the national anthem. I think that's the way it should be. Um, I think all of those protests are zero sum games. I'll tell you what you do. Instead of kneeling and causing all this hullabaloo, write a check. Cut a check. You'll get a lot more done contributing to the actual people who are actually doing the work legislatively and educationally. You get a lot better return on your investment for that than you will causing a bunch of ruckus costing the NFL ratings. It's all such a zero-sum game. It aggravates me, but I'm, I love that I said I'm not qualified to comment on it and, and probably commented, commented on yeah. it. <laughs> but that's really part of it for me. So tell me about your camping trip this weekend. So this is my, this, uh, my camp, this is the camping trip I do every year. So it's it's the men in my family. It's it's an hour. We go to the same campsite within the same campground every year. We've been going. This will be my eleventh year going. The trip itself has been going on in various iterations for over twenty. So this is a tradition, as as deep as any tradition I have. This this is it. And it's called Holly Flats Recreation Area. It's in Cherokee National Forest, about four miles from the Tennessee-North Carolina state line in East Tennessee. It's an hour and a half outside of cell service. We, um, we've got a nice 12 by 12 out, Cabela's Outfitter tent with a wood-burning stove. I mean, we do it right. We cook over the fire. We play a little Frisbee golf. We spend most of our time chopping firewood. Um, and just listening to listen to the, we'll listen to the UT game on the radio on Saturday. You know, just just really low key, calm, enjoyable, enjoyable weekend. There's nothing takes the place of surrounding yourself with other men and being out in the wild, enjoying it. First, y'all do. I thought y'all you were going to say being at the Y. I was like, ooh, that's a different kind of surround. No. <laughs> but surrounding yourself, enjoying the company. You know, first y'all do some work, and that's such a manly thing. Men have this need to have a job, to have a purpose. Cutting firewood is like framing houses. You see the, you know, framing houses I used to love. Because at the end of the day, I would walk away and, 
there's a house. There was not a house there when I got here this morning. Right. There is now a house there. Immediate gratification from work put in. Yeah. And that's what, so it's funny, we, we joke because my dad gets this, this, uh, this overwhelming joy out of running a chainsaw. And it's so funny, you think about things like, well, if you had to do it. No, as a kid, he had to do it as a part of growing up, and he still loved it then. He loves it to this day, and this is about the only opportunity he gets a year. To the point that after we cut about, so we go up there on Thursday, we come back on Sunday. So it's four days, three nights, and we keep a pretty good fire going the whole time. We'll end up cutting about a quart of, of firewood for the four days, if that gives you any indication. Because he'll get up there running that chainsaw, and we'll have to force him to stop. Like, okay, that's enough. That's plenty. But for me, when when they roll off, when the logs roll off the mountain, because it's it's in the Smoky Mountain, in the Appalachian Mountains, so he'll climb up on the hill, cut and we'll roll the logs down and I'll stand in the middle of the log road and I'll start splitting it with an axe. And that for me is part of what I love about this trip is just spending hours out of the four days. I will spend over an hour of my weekend just swinging an axe and splitting firewood. And I, it makes me so happy. So that brings me to my favor I need. I need a splitting stump. I need a piece of firewood 12 to 18 inches in diameter and about, you know, 12 to 18 inches tall, something like that, that I can actually set my smaller wood on when I'm splitting it into kindling for my fire pit. So if you run across one of those this weekend, throw it in the back of your car and bring it home. I was home. supposed to say, throw it in the back of my Kia. <laughs> I didn't say it would be easy, but the good things in life rarely are. I will, I will make a good cigar in it for you. All right. We'll see what we can do. And, uh, I think I've got a pappy going to waste. <laughs> but... So, have you chosen cigars to carry on this trip? I haven't, actually. Um, that's one of the things I've got to do while I'm here today. Is I typically carry, I typically carry three per day, of you know various, which is always more than I need, but it keeps me from running out. And I tend to share a little bit as well. I've got a couple of, I've got the Liga. A that I'm definitely taking with me that we got at the barns. We're a couple of KFCs. I'm going to take those with me. Um, the Camacho, the Camacho Corojo makes an appearance every year. The Ecuador will this year as well. I've been really on a Padron 4000 kick lately. I'll bring a couple of those with me, and then I'll probably um, probably a, a Tennessee Waltz or two will make the make the trip as well. Well, we're going to camp the night before deer season opens out there on the hunting lease. And I've kind of been thinking along those same lines. Okay, I need to figure out exactly what cigars I'm bringing for that night because setting, there's nothing better than it's dark sitting around a campfire, hearing the owls and the coyotes hollering and smoking a good cigar. And it's it's funny, too, because my my dad and my uncle who go every year, it's kind of their trip. Uh, as much as it is anybody else's and, and they don't smoke cigars and but I can usually get them to smoke a cigar a year and it's sitting around the campfire usually Saturday night after dinner they'll oftentimes split one and it's just kind of fun for me to be able to share that with them even though it's something that I really enjoy they don't necessarily but you put enough beer in somebody they'll smoke anything 
Well, that's true. <laughs> so, real quick, I want to touch our cigar under $8 this week. All right. In honor of us going to the bar and smoker, I am going to talk about the Kentucky Fire Cured. And usually, my favorite size of a cigar is whatever's the biggest size they make. But the KFC is unique in that it has such a strong, complex flavor. I don't like a gigantic KFC. Right. My favorite is their Fat Molly. It's 5 by 56 which is still on the upper side. That's the biggest one they make. Uh, no, they make a 6 by 52 just a friend, Toro. And, well, I guess those are about the same I mean, in terms of tobacco. of tobacco, you're getting about the same. Okay, well, the Fat Molly is my favorite okay. of theirs. And they're $7.10 is the suggestion. I just got to look like, shut up. Don't disagree with me on yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that's all right. I'm not running a show or anything. Just go ahead and wreck my point. <laughs> The Fat Molly is a great cigar. I really enjoy that. And that's still about an hour, hour and 15 minute smoke. It's by no means a quick smoke. And the KFC, you really can't smoke it quick. Well, that was what I was going to say is, you know, I I think we lit up our first cigars Saturday about 945, which is early for me these days. And first one I smoked right out the gate was a was I think it was a just a friend. And, yeah, I mean, you cannot smoke that cigar quickly. It just doesn't happen. Uh, the, the nature of the flavor of tobacco just holds you back inherently. But it's good, especially for someone like me who tends to smoke a little bit faster. It's great to just kind of be forced to pause on it a little bit. Well, and I enjoy the KFC Flying Pig. It does not qualify as a cigar under $8, but it's not off by much. I mean, MSRP is 12 bucks. Yeah. So. It's not off by a lot, but the Flying Pig, it's a 4.1 by 60, but it's in that classic pig shape that's kind of half torpedo, half Solomon. I guess it's Perfecto would be what you would call the Flying Pig shape. It's a fat Perfecto. Yeah, probably a fat uh, Perfecto Gordo. (laughs) If there is such a thing. There is now. So it's a great cigar. I like the Flying Pig in the KFC. Um, I was not impressed by the Undercrown Shade Flying Pig, and I love the Undercrown Shade. Hmm. But the, the pure shade is so good. The flying pig shape is not one that suits me very well. I tend not to like a torpedo or a taper in general. Plus, it, that, just that short fat, I, I never really... I mean, uh, Gurkha, in all of their uh, cellar reserve, do, it's a very similar shape that all of their cellar reserves come in. And I've just never been a fan of that, that shape or size. Well, and, you know, as we were talking about with Jay last week when we were talking about developing your palate, that's part of your palate. Mm-hmm. What size cigar is comfortable to manipulate? What size cigar is comfortably fits in your hand? Um, what do you enjoy? And that changes for me. Yeah, especially I know a lot of people that like a Toro or a, like a Torpedo because they're able to kind of sit there and chew on it a little bit. You know, it, it makes it easier for them to hold in their mouth. I find the exact opposite. Every time I try and smoke a torpedo, I feel like my lips are pushing it out on the, on the taper a little bit. So I think that may have something, being such a short cigar and having that taper, I just it doesn't fit my hand or my mouth very well. So got a lot of great feedback on last week's show. Uh, a lot of people have come up to me and said, hey, Shane, I, seen the sh- I heard the show last week. And that was just really informational. We had a lot of great content on that show. And I do want to, in future shows, I think we need to figure out, one, from an etiquette side, we need to cover how to gift a cigar. Mm -hmm. 
And all of these things I'm bringing up right now because I want you to let us know on Instagram or Facebook what topics you think would be really interesting. And those of you who may have seen this already, we're actually going to be giving away an ashtray by Oliva for to one listener who gives us a topic to cover on episode 40. So that is coming up in just under a month. So be thinking about topics that you'd like to hear on the show, whether it ap- applies to etiquette or technique or information or even just the, the emotional side of cigars. Whatever it is, let us know. Uh, whoever we pick to, to uh, highlight their topic on, on episode 40 is going to be, going to be receiving that ashtray. Uh, the best way to get a hold of us in, in for that is... Instagram at the cigarcast and facebook.com slash the cigarcast. And that's our g- game we got going on right now. My wife made a great suggestion, and I've got, I want to touch on she this. She can't win the ashtray. No, she already <laughs> has it. <laughs> She's the one giving it away. But she wanted to know what would be the five best cutters for beginners. And I think we could do a whole show on that, but I do want to cover my opinion, the absolute number one best cutter if i was a beginner if i was just starting a cigar hobby and was going to buy a cutter i would buy a calibri deep v so i love that cutter i think it's one of the best cutters ever made but i'm gonna have to disagree with you because of that 40 dollars price point if i am a beginner in this hobby i'm not going i'm it's going to be hard for me to drop 40 bucks on a cutter well my logic is this you can't screw up cutting a cigar with that cutter. I mean, it's the most user-friendly basic to use. It's got a back, so you can't push the cigar in too far. The V comes down and cuts. It will not mash the cigar. You don't have to worry about rotating the cigar as you do with a pair of scissors. It's such a... um, I don't like the term idiot-proof, but it's such a user-friendly cigar cutter. It, it definitely is. To that end, though, I'm going to suggest to go find a Drew Estate event at your local brick and mortar and buy a... Usually they'll do it on three for one. Sometimes you have to buy a box. But they have the, the best giveaway cutter in the industry. It's all stainless steel. It's a double guillotine. And, not, and it has that back so that you're not going to take too much off of the cap. But also it's got nice, you know, Drew Estate marketing and, and stuff on the front of it. So it's an attractive looking lighter, stainless steel, so it won't go wrong on you. And it's also very, very user friendly in terms of having that back and keeping you and, and making sure you get the perfect cut every time. And well, it doesn't cost you anything because it comes with cigars that you're pro- hopefully going to enjoy anyway. Well, and it does have a hole in the back so it can cut torpedoes. And the hole is centered so that the torpedo will actually slide down into the end of that. I'm giving you funny looks because I've not seen, I've seen, oh. I've seen iterations of this cutter that do that, but not the. I, I'm not aware of any of the Drew Estate versions that do. Uh, I've got five or six of them. Okay. because <laughs> well. I'm the Drew Estate guy. I'm always around the I, Drew I mean, Estate I'm not, guys. I mean, I'm not going to challenge you on anything Drew Estate. I'm going to let you. I'm just surprised because I haven't seen it. But that is a good one. My. I don't worry about the cost of the cutter because if you mess up... If well, you, all right. Well, if you buy a $2 single-blade guillotine cutter at your shop 
and you goof up five eight dollar cigars. You could have bought the good cutter and enjoyed a good cigar. Well, it's true. Uh, you know, with the I will say if whatever your first cutter is, it needs to if it's going to be a guillotine, it needs to be double bladed. Because a single is only going to pinch, tear, and destroy the tip of your cigar. So for me, that's you know that's rule number one. Is I would never I would I would bite the cap off a cigar before I would use a single bladed guillotine. Well, if you do find yourself trapped and you only have a single blade guillotine, do the cap lift. Mm-hmm. Push it down. Don't cut it completely. Push it down. Rotate it once around and lift the cap off. And rotate towards the downside. A single-bladed guillotine is always going to have a a, um, a bias-cut blade, so always rotate towards the downstroke as well. You'll get a better slicing motion that way. And in the coming weeks, we need to do a couple of videos and post them on Facebook and Instagram about you know just showing how we cut a cigar. Absolutely. The other one I would say absolutely needs to be in your arsenal as an early cigar smoker is a punch. I think. It just goes to that being ready for anything, anytime, because almost all of them are going to have that keyring on them. So they and you can get those for three bucks, and you just put it on your keyring so that no matter where you are, you've at least got something. Right. You can always punch. My only drawback to putting a, a bunch in a beginner's hand is if they pick up a torpedo, the punch really doesn't serve that. You kind of have to. But a torpedo. A torpedo cut requires a little bit more finesse because I like to cut my torpedoes on a 45. I don't never straight cut a torpedo. Right. Because I try to increase that surface area to get a better draw. Yeah, and, and I think, but I, it also part of that is kind of knowing most of the time if you're buying a cigar and you don't have your cutter, you're probably going to be somewhere that has one you can use if all you have is your punch and all you want to smoke is a torpedo. So, but I think a punch, as much as I've talked about on the show, I don't use one very often. I think it's indispensable to have one on you most of the time. This is true. Well, let's about wrap it up for this week. I know I've got a poker game I'm about to attend to. You have a lovely young lady waiting on your attentions. (laughs) I love it when I make Trey uncomfortable. (laughs) He kind of gives me that look. We've got to do another... Uh, visual podcast. We got to do another Facebook Live episode one of these days, just so people can see the the glances we exchange when we s- step on each other's toes or take someone down a, a path that neither of us were expecting. I think that would be fun. But, but until then, don't forget about our cigar contest, our giving away an ashtray. Again, comment a show theme on the Cigar Cast on Instagram or at the Cigar Cast on Facebook or Twitter. Um, Instagram seems to be our main medium. We've been getting those suggestions. They've been some good ones out there. It is. We've got, and and if if we haven't responded to your um, to your comment yet, know that we are reading all of them as they come in. And you can also, if you don't want to comment on one of our posts, you can always direct message us as well, DM as the kids say these days. Um, and also, if you want, you can always email us info at thecigarcast.com as well. So there's plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Um, currently, our courier pigeon sick, so we're not accepting anything that way. But smoke signals, smoke signals are always big. <laughs> but Trey, have a good camping trip. Don't forget my stump. I won't. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.